0: Three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Cesarea to Jerusalem, where the chief priests and Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented the charges against Paul. They urgently requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem. For they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. Festus answered,
1: Paul is being held at Cesarea, and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me and press charges against the man there,
0: if he's done anything wrong. After spending eight or ten days with them, he went down to Cesarea. And the next day he convened the court and ordered that Paul be brought before him. When Paul appeared, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him bringing many serious charges
2: against him, which they could not prove.
0: Then Paul made his defense.
2: I have done nothing wrong against the law of the Jews, or against the temple, or against Caesar. Festus,
0: wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem
2: and stand trial before me there on these charges? Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar.
0: After Festus had conferred with his council, he declared, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you will go. A few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to pay their respects to Festus. Since they were spending many days there, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. He said, There is a man here whom Felix left as a prisoner. When I went to Jerusalem,
1: the chief priests and elders of the Jews brought charges against him and asked that he be condemned. I told them that it is not the Roman custom to hand over any man before he has faced his accusers and has had an opportunity to defend himself against their charges. When they came here with me, I did not delay the case, but convened the court the next day and ordered the man to be brought in. When his accusers got up to speak, They did not charge him with any of the crimes I'd expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus, whom Paul claimed was alive. I was at a loss how to investigate such matters. So I asked if he'd be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there on these charges. When Paul made his appeal to be held over for the Emperor's decision, I ordered him held until I could send him to Caesar.
0: Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. He replied, Tomorrow
1: you will hear him.
0: The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the audience room with the high-ranking officers and the leading men of the city. At the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and all
1: who are present with us, you see this man, the whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him. In Jerusalem, and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found he had done nothing deserving of death. But because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. For I think it is unreasonable to send on a prisoner without specifying the charges against him.
3: Welcome to our verse-by-verse journey through the book of Acts, the fifth book of the New Testament, which is the story of the church Jesus established and how it multiplied across the Roman Empire. The main character in the story now is Paul, an apostle, a church planter that at one time had been a great enemy to the church. And after his conversion and discipleship, he became a church planter in Western Asia, where he was originally from. That's where his roots were, as well as Eastern Europe. And in our story, he's gone to Jerusalem, where he grew up. That was also his hometown. He uh, went there to report to the church leaders as to the progress of the growth of the church throughout Western Asia and Eastern Europe. While there, he goes to the temple to honor the Torah and to practice his Jewish culture. And there, some enemies that didn't like him, who were also from Western Asia, began to falsely accuse him of desecrating the temple. A mob congregated, and they drug him out of the temple and began to beat him, and they were going to kill him. This is hard for us to understand, but a mob mentality still exists in the third world. In Liberia, where I grew up, If you're caught stealing, the shopkeeper will grab you, drag you out in the street, and start hollering, rogue, rogue, rogue. Now, that's a word that means bad guy, R-O-G-U-E. And other shopkeepers will come out at the sound of your voice, and without a trial, without um, any kind of hearing, people will begin to beat you and slap you. And until the police come, they will not stop. And if the police come, it's to rescue you. And if you're found innocent, even though you were guilty, you've learned your lesson. But if you were innocent, you have come close to death. I witnessed it one time, uh, the poor guy's face was swollen, his eyes were swollen shut, and there was a man airborne with a coconut throwing it at him. And probably half those people are rogues themselves, but it's just the opportunity for a mob to... Uh, do something that they find entertaining. A bored culture will do that. And so Paul was rescued by the Roman military, led by the chief captain named Claudius Lysias. And Claudius, trying to make sense of things, hosts a hearing with the Jewish leaders, and it broke out into pandemonium. They shut it down. The hearing had failed to make sense of things. He just wanted to make sure Paul was not a revolutionary trying to stir up trouble where he was serving. And when he learned of a plot, 40 men had made a vow to not eat or drink till Paul was a dead man. He sent him to Caesarea, 60 plus miles away, with a detachment of 470 soldiers. 70 of them were horsemen. And he sent them down to the coast. Jerusalem's further up in elevation. So he sends them down 30 miles, and they're in Antipatris. They made a stop, and the soldiers, no doubt after they got got a rest, went back home. They did this journey in the middle of the night. So the next day, they had to make a long trek back home uphill. And then the horsemen, uh, no doubt after they had rested, with Paul, 70 people, uh, Roman cavalry, made the journey on to Caesarea to appear before Felix, the governor of the region of Judea at that time. Felix was the replacement in the office that Pilate had held. And like Jesus appearing before Pilate, Paul appears before Pilate's replacement, Felix. I don't know that he exactly came right after Pilate, but he was the man who filled that office. Now here's what's interesting. Paul was falsely accused and almost beaten to death. Now he's arrested and a prisoner. Is he a prisoner or is he in protective custody? Ultimately, he's going to get a free trip to Rome with all expenses paid, but it's not going to be fun because he's going to be wearing bracelets, chains, all the way there. And there he gets to minister in Rome. And so on the way there, different hearings occur, and there was a hearing in Caesarea that also broke out into pandemonium and ended. And so Felix said, okay, I'm going to bring Claudius Lysias here and get to the bottom of this. Well, he never did it. And two years later, Felix gets replaced. Look at what happens. The last verse of Acts 24. says, After two years had passed, Felix received a successor, Porcius Festus. Because he wished to do a favor for the Jews, Felix left him in prison. Now, normally when governors and presidents come to the end of their term, what do they do? One of the last things they do is acquit folks. Maybe some guy was found guilty of something he's innocent of, or maybe just from political pressure they set some guy that was guilty free. That's their right as leaders. And in this case, due to political pressure, Felix buckled, not having gotten a bribe from Paul, he's probably mad at him, he kept him incarcerated there. Talk about injustice. Uh, I think it was yesterday, Joshua Holt, who'd been held in jail in Venezuela, got set free. Held him for over two years of his life without any charges made. No conviction, no true courtroom scene, no real hearing. Injustice happens in the world. So Felix is replaced by Festus. Sounds like a couple bluegrass singers, doesn't it? (laughs) Felix and Festus is the name of my new hound dogs, you know. All right, Acts 25, verse 1. Three days after Festus arrived in the province, He went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea. Now, Caesarea was the capital of the Roman uh, region known as Judea, but Jerusalem was the most important city. That was the capital of Israel, the capital of the Jews, who were now a people under the reign of the Roman Empire. So he goes there to familiarize himself with his territory. Verse 2, Then the chief priests and the leaders of the Jews presented their case against Paul to him, And they appealed asking him to do them a favor against Paul that he might summon him to Jerusalem. Hey, can you get him back here so we can have our trial? But they were preparing an ambush along the road to kill him. They're still holding their grudge two years later. And some of them have been replaced. It's a new chief priest. The new high priest is is in power now. And they still want Paul killed. He had been one of them. No doubt they feel betrayed, but no doubt they feel threatened because the gospel is powerful. Verse 4, However, Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself was about to go there shortly. Therefore he said, Let the men of authority among you go down with me and accuse him if there is any wrong in this man. So these guys have to make this long journey again, (laughs) only to fail again and have to go right back home uphill. So this happened. Verse 6, when he had spent not more than eight or ten days among them, he went down to Caesarea. The next day, these people went down with him, seated at the judge's bench, he commanded Paul to be brought in. When he arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, so there's a bunch of them, and brought many serious charges that they were not able to prove. While Paul made the defense that, quote, neither against the Jewish law nor against the temple nor against Caesar have I sinned at all. Now, The original guys that stirred up the trouble are long gone. They went back home to Western Asia. So what they have here is just hearsay. Thank God in our courts, even though hearsay is getting more and more sway in our culture, but in our courts, it's supposed to be eyewitness testimony. Even in the Torah, you cannot be convicted of a crime unless there were two eyewitnesses. Why? Because one guy could lie and ruin your life. So it was protection. Well, can't two guys lie? That's true, but less of a chance of that, easier to see contradictions in their testimony. So Paul defended himself. Then Festus, wanting to do a favor for the Jews, here we are with politics again, replied to Paul, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried before me on these charges? As if the change of venue would make a difference. But Paul said, I am standing at Caesar's tribunal. This is the higher court where I ought to be tried. I have done no wrong to the Jews. Now, he himself is a Jew. As even you can see very well, if then I am doing wrong or have done nothing deserving of death, I do not refuse to die. But if there is nothing what these men accuse me of, no one can give me up to them. Pretty bold to say to the governor, isn't it? but now it makes sense. The next statement is, I appeal to Caesar. Claudius Lysias had sent him to a higher authority, the governor, and now he appeals to the emperor of Roman Empire. And at this time, that Caesar was Nero. But Nero at this time wasn't as bad of a guy as he eventually became. Verse 12, after Festus conferred with his council, he turned to his lawyer and said, can he do that? Probably something like that. He replied, You have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. Yes, I'm clearing the docket. (laughs) After some days had passed, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived in Caesarea and paid a courtesy call on Festus. They came to greet the new governor. Now, this Agrippa is a Herod, part of the Herod family. He's Herod Agrippa. The second, Herod Agrippa I, his father was the one who had James, the brother of John, killed and was going to have Peter killed had an angel not delivered him. He's the one that received praise from people as though he was a god and God struck him with worms. You can remember him earlier in the book. You can read that story. He's the grandson of the man of the Herod that had John the Baptist killed. And his great grandfather was on the throne when Jesus was born. And he's the dude that had the babies two years and under, killed in the region of Bethlehem. So he's from a long line of corrupt, wicked people. And here he comes, for the sake of politics, you come and greet the new guy, the new guy he's actually subject to because of the Roman Empire, and brings Bernice with him. Now Bernice is not the queen, Bernice is his sister. She too is the daughter of Herod of I. And ironically, Felix, the guy before him, was married to Drusilla. She was her sister. She, too, was the daughter of Herod Agrippa Herod, uh, I. So these, these people are, are uh, thick. Now, Bernice had a bad reputation. She was kind of a man-eater. Uh, after this scenario, when Titus conquers Jerusalem and levels the city to the ground, she winds up marrying him. And, and when he's made the emperor, she's the emperor's wife. That marriage didn't work out because even the correct Romans didn't respect her. And she was suspected of living in incest with her own brother, Agrippa. So here these people are going to sit in judgment of Paul. Isn't that crazy? So they came to pay, pay a courtesy call to Festus. Since they stayed there many days, Festus presented Paul's case to the king saying, there's a man here who was left as a prisoner by Felix. When I was in Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews presented their case and asked for a judgment against him. I answered them that it's not the Romans' custom to give any man up before the accused confronts the accusers face to face and has an opportunity to give a defense concerning the charge. Therefore, when they had assembled here, I did not delay." The next day I sat at the judge's bench and ordered the man to be brought in. Verse 18, concerning him, the accuser stood up and brought no charge of the sort I was expecting. Instead, they had some disagreements with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus, a dead man whom Paul claimed to be alive. Since I was at a loss in a dispute over such things, I asked him if he wished to go to Jerusalem and be tried there concerning These matters. But when Paul appealed to be held for trial by the emperor, I ordered him to be kept in custody until I could send him to Caesar. Now, the reason Paul appealed to appear before Caesar was to keep from being sent to Jerusalem and killed along the way. He skipped that little detail. Verse 22, Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, he said, you will hear him. So the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp. So They're all dressed up. Entered the auditorium with the commanders and prominent men of the city. Can you say crowd? When Festus gave the command, Paul was brought in. So here he is, a chance to preach. He'd been incarcerated for two years. Hadn't been able to preach to a crowd, he gets another chance and he does a good job. You'll find out about that next time I speak. Verse 24. Then Festus said, King Agrippa and all men present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish community has appealed to me. Now that's a lie. Because there was plenty of Jewish believers who weren't doing this. But the representatives of the Jewish community who were unbelievers. They appealed to him, both in Jerusalem and here. So Paul also had enemies in Caesarea, shouting that he should not live any longer. Remember the crowd, crucify him, crucify him. Same kind of thing. Now I realized that he had not done anything deserving of death. But when he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to send him. I have nothing definite to write to the emperor about him, Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so after this examination is over, I may have something to write. For it seems unreasonable to me to send a prisoner and not to indicate the charges against him. That would be dumb. To waste the emperor's time? Now here's a prisoner, you deal with him with no word of what the charges are. Even the chief captain, Claudius Lysias, sent a letter with Paul explaining why he was sending him to him. So... Festus was at a loss. What do I write in this letter? So he has this hearing with King Agrippa's help. Maybe they'll come up with some reason for it. Agrippa said to Paul, chapter 26, verse 1, it is permitted for you to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defense. I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that today I am going to make a defense before you about everything i am accused of by the jews especially since you are an expert in all the jewish customs and controversies therefore i beg you to listen to me patiently to be continued i'd like to speak to you today on the subject the truth about jesus enemies now why such a topic because we have enemies do we not there's Conflicting statistics, but one I read this morning, like 100,000 believers, followers of Jesus, are killed every year as martyrs. There's more people being martyred now in our time than in previous centuries. We have enemies. Thank God for our veterans, men that have given their lives so that we can have religious freedom in this country. Who's grateful for that? Amen. But as time progresses and our country goes more and more left, eventually our veterans may be asked to enforce laws that would bring us under persecution. And so there's some things we need to know, just some common things about the enemies of the gospel, the haters of Jesus, truisms that are true of them. Now, bear with me, they all start with the letter D, and they're all here in Acts chapter 25. The word enemy means one that is antagonistic to another, especially someone seeking to injure, overthrow, or confound a perceived opponent. Now, I added the word perceived there because sometimes an opponent really isn't an opponent. It's just somebody you think is your opponent. And Paul wasn't their opponent. He wasn't their enemy, but they perceived him as that. And everything he said, they said, see, see. Oh, he's persuasive. Oh, it fits the profile. He's not cursing. Oh, it fits the profile. He doesn't wish us harm. Oh, it fits the profile. Everything fits the profile when somebody's out to get you. It also means an enemy is something harmful or deadly, like rat poison is the enemy of rodents. Orkin is the enemy of pests. So... We're talking about the enemies of Jesus. The truth about his enemies are they're real and they're predicted. Not only that, they can be predictable. Jesus said in Matthew 10:22, you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. So we have assurance of victory in the end. It is well with my soul between now and then. Can I get an amen? So there are people that are not going to be our fans. There are people that are going to betray us, turn against us, and try to press us to sell out. And there are Christians that are selling out their faith for the sake of being politically correct. The truth about Jesus' enemies, we need to know they can be disappointing. Due to their influence, they can lead to disappointment. Paul was looking forward to freedom so he could go to Rome, only to be disappointed by a governor who bowed to political pressure. We read it at the beginning, Acts 24, 27. After two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. Oh, when I became a Christian, I didn't know it could be like this. I was told I'd have abundant life. Yes, it came that we might have life and life more abundantly. But he also said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So it is abundant life in the long run and sometimes that full life includes the human experience as well as people that hate you. Well, I feel lied to. Yeah, you were. Somebody lied to you. You need to know the enemies of Jesus can be determined. When Festus had come to the province, after three days, he went to Jerusalem from Caesarea. The high priest, the chief men of the Jews, informed him against Paul, and they petitioned him. After over two years, they hadn't given up. They were determined to see him destroyed. No, they can be destructive. They asked a favor. You know, it's, we're glad you're our governor. Felix just really didn't go, do a good job, and We need your help to deal with this Paul character. He's a threat to our culture. He's a menace. Can you send him to Jerusalem so we can deal with him? So we can kill him on the way here. Destructive. Oh, we just want to have a hearing. Oh, we just want to have a discussion. No, they want to destroy him. need to know they can be dishonest. People lie. Who knows that's true? They do. When he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul. Misinformation or disinformation. They can be disinformed. They're laying these charges against Paul and can't prove any of them. If you're in authority and you want to save yourself some time by dealing with the politics, you know, on-the-job stuff, never deal with hearsay. Unless a person telling you is willing to sign their name to the statement they're telling you about somebody else, you don't have a witness, and you'll be disappointed and confused. Festus wouldn't be confused if he would have abided by that principle, This is hearsay. You guys didn't witness any of the things you're charging him with. But because there were so many of them, and they were so shrill, it seemed like maybe there's some truth to it. Just because statistics say such and such doesn't mean the major opinion of people in the court of public opinion is the truth. People can be corrupted. Jesus' enemies can be deceiving. Can we say deceit? Conniving. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended in anything at all. But Festus, who was being deceived, wanting to do the Jews a favor, ignores his truthful defense and said, are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things. Can't we all just be happy? Can't we all just get along? We need to know the enemies of Jesus can be defeated. There is victory. And in this particular chapter, Paul won. The guys that were against him didn't get what they wanted. They had to take that long walk uphill, 60-plus miles back to Jerusalem, with no opportunity to kill him. His incarceration was his protection. Sometimes our difficulties in life will be easier if we look at them differently than what we are. Paul chose to look at this differently. He called himself, gave himself a new title. I am the prisoner of Jesus Christ. If the Lord wants to get me out of here, he can. This is so ridiculous that he must have his hand in this. Maybe that can apply to your scenario. Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews, I've done no wrong, as you know very well. He had a backbone. For if I'm an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying. But there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me. No one can deliver me to them. How can he say that? Because he's a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. Now, ultimately, this would get him to Rome where he could preach. And ultimately, the Roman Empire would kill him. But this bought him lots of time. So he won the battle with more battles to face. How did he do this? Well, as a Pharisee, he knew the word. He didn't have the New Testament at the time. The guy's writing letters to encourage folks, not knowing, well, even while he's incarcerated, he's encouraging people not knowing these would be canonized and we would be reading them and studying them and being encouraged ourselves. With great revelation, he's encouraging. But he's feeding his soul from the Tanakh, the Old Testament, the Torah, the Psalms. Psalms like Psalm 3, the third Psalm, we used to sing this Lord, how are they increased to the trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of my soul, There is no help for him in God. But thou, O oh Lord, art a shield for me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. But thou, O oh Lord, art a shield for me. You're my glory, i the lifter, you're my glory, i the lifter of my head. Now Paul in his writings told us to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. He told us to give thanks in everything. He told us to be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to the Lord. So no doubt he is doing this during this season of injustice in his life. Looking back, it was two years, but when you're in the midst of it, when is this going to be over? When do I get to go to Rome, Jesus? So it seems longer than two years. Maybe you're in some kind of a trial. Maybe it's not with the enemies of Jesus, but some difficulty you're dealing with. When is it going to be over? One day you'll look back at it and you'll see just how long it was. But living in the now, between the now and the not yet, we have the weapon of praise and worship, Amen? It is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. The truth about Jesus' enemies is you need to know they can be divisive. And I glean this from the next chapter from Paul's own testimony. Look at what he said. He said, Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem the very city where they want to kill me. I was one of them. And many of the saints, I shut up in prison. Yeah, I'm incarcerated, but I did the same thing to people. Having received authority from the chief priests, the guys that want me dead, they gave me authority. And when they were put to death, the believers that I was having killed, I cast my vote against them. I held their coats while they stoned Stephen. And I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme tried to get them to testify against each other and being exceedingly enraged against them can you say divisive you know what the word devil means it means divider means divisive hallelujah we need to know the enemies of Jesus can be discipled Paul was one Amen? Here is Henry O. Arnold playing the part of Paul. Listen to this testimony. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible
2: to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, Now, get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also, I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day, and so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer. And as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to His own people and to the Gentiles.
3: Never forget where the Lord brought you from. If you feel like you've been mistreated in some way, ask the Lord to bring to your remembrance where you treated somebody that way. And a fresh level of repentance and cleansing and healing will come from that understanding. That's how Paul was able to write such marvelous letters without bitterness, poison. That would have contaminated everything, but he he knew God had given him mercy. And he knew Jesus had said, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who use you. Amen. Lord, I pray that every person here would know it is well with their soul and Lord between the now and the not yet we pray Lord that you would strengthen our brothers and sisters around the world that are facing real persecution and real death help us Lord to be a strength to them in our prayers as well as resources when we're able to in Jesus name Amen ago carl had a heart attack was in the hospital has an amazing report yesterday no surgery necessary you got to hear what his heartbeat is he has a heartbeat of an athlete amazing
4: yeah i tell you god just keeps on amazing me i mean he healed me of cancer a number of years ago and uh i went in the hospital with anaphylactic shock uh, is what put me in the emergency room while in the emergency room they gave me shots and epinephrine. The second shot put me into a heart attack and uh, I just decided one thing to take care of my health better so I've been riding a bicycle about six to eight miles every day. Lost 25 pounds but I went in for a heart catheter on Thursday because they said there's got to be something wrong there and the doctors were absolutely amazed because one thing they said you have no blockages anywhere in your arteries. And what you do, a little, a minor one, minor stuff, but nothing I need to stay sten- They said, you can live a hundred and not need a stent or anything. And uh, then they said, what's been amazing is the last few weeks, the la- not the last few weeks, the last few days, my heart rate has been, I thought it was abnormally low because it was 35 beats a minute. And then the doctors, the cardiologist says, No, that's good because it means you're riding your bicycle correctly because athletes have 24 to 28 beats a minute if they're a real true triathlon person. I'm not a triathlon. I've still got this, I'm still carrying a bit of a keg around with me instead of a six pack, but I'm working on it. But anyway, God just so amazed me that God just continues to take care of my health. He continues to bless me, and he has me here for a purpose, uh, to continue to teach his word, to do whatever God wants me to do, anywhere he wants me to do it. And I'm just so grateful for him, because he has been a blessing. And uh, I, I just feel so grateful to him. You know, I want to cry out. I've been teaching Revelation here and it just my heart goes out every morning Now I get up in the morning and I start to worship and this is a great way to start worship And I, I, I'm sorry but in Revelation it says that the angels and the 24 elders bow down before the Lord and they go holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was who is and is to come you want to start your day upright, start worshiping the lord that way declare with the angels he is holy 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 lord god almighty who was and is and is to come you'll be blessed
3: yeah that's awesome yeah what is holier than holy to be holy holy what is holier than holy holy to be holy holy If you read that in your the margin if you read that scripture and you have margin notes it'll tell you the original manuscript has the word holy 9 times He's not just holy 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 He is holy 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 That's pretty holy That's the superlative above all. It means altogether separate. It means purer than anything. It means superior to all. He is holy, 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 holy. Don't get me started. God bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God Almighty lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And like Carl said, may you too know that you have a purpose. You're here for a reason. In the meantime, it is well with our souls. Amen.